up over this morning? <laughs> How many of you believe he is the king of glory? Amen. Let's sing that together if you would. Jesus. 
Do you believe that this morning? Amen. All right. If you would, uh, put a smile on, turn, tell somebody you sure do look good this morning. All right. And uh, just fellowship for a little while, if you would. some good fellowship you can uh, make your way back and go ahead and be seated if you would all right got a few announcements this morning and uh, always good to be with you do want to keep you updated uh, I don't know if you've uh, seen the building back here we're doing our uh, addition our add-on a building uh, back here, and we have uh, we have a frame up, and we have ten up, amen. So uh, we're looking good back there. So uh, going to give us some more room. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Good problems needing to create more space, more room. So um, if you are a visitor today for the first time or second time, would you just lift up a hand? We don't want to embarrass you. We just want to get you a card. All right, got one right there. Uh, thank you for being here. Fill that card out if you would, and then at the end of the service, just drop it in the basket on your way out. Anybody else? First time, second time? All right, right, right here in the middle. Got some more. Just keep them up till they get to you. All right. Awesome. Fill those cards out and uh, put those in the offering basket on your way out if you would. We're so glad that you're here. Hey, don't forget uh, Wednesday night. We have something special happening Wednesday night. Now. Uh, what we normally do is the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, we give you the night off because we know a lot of you got family coming in, you're doing a lot of cooking, getting ready for Thanksgiving the next day, so that will be uh, the next Wednesday. But this coming Wednesday, uh, we want to have a uh, family Thanksgiving dinner for the church family, and so we have some, uh, we'll, we're going to provide all the turkey, and we're going to provide all the, uh, the stuff. Miss Mary has lined all that up. She's not able to be here this morning, but uh, I think she's talked to everybody, lined everything up. So come, we're going to have a, uh, a big uh, churchwide Thanksgiving meal this Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Now, some have asked me, does that mean we're doing anything? No, everything else will be the same, uh, but we are just having a big Thanksgiving dinner together. Uh, then at 7 o'clock, the youth will meet in here like usual. The kids will meet in the middle as usual, and the adults will meet in the fellowship hall. Uh, the adults, instead of Bible study, we're going to have just a night of testimonies and thanksgiving. So it's going to be something a little bit different. It's always been a big blessing when we do this kind of service. So you come ready to give a testimony and tell how good God's been to you and what God has blessed you with. And we just want to be a thankful, grateful people that night. Amen. And so uh, you come Wednesday night, all right? And uh, don't forget... Uh, that we always need help for teachers and helpers. Again, one of the reasons we're building this building behind us is because on Wednesday night we have tons of kids, amen? And we go out and we bring them in, 
and uh, kids get saved, lives get changed. Those kids become adults, amen. They become the church of tomorrow, amen. So that's what it's all about. But we can always use more help, all right? We're getting, we're getting you more space, but we always need more bodies, more help. You may say, well, I'm not a teacher. Uh, not everybody needs to be a teacher. Some people just need to be there to be a helper, all right? So even if you can just be a body there and help, uh, that would be wonderful. You can see Miss Cindy over here. Raise your hand, Miss Cindy, uh, if you can help on Wednesday nights, all right? Uh, giving can be done uh, uh, with an envelope uh, here. There's envelopes on the table over there. You can give a cash or check, but you can also give online uh, at giving.landmarktyler.com. It's done through PayPal. You just set it up one time, and that's all you have to set it up. Um, next Sunday, this is very special. I want you to come. Uh, our band will start off, do a couple of songs, but then we're going to give the service over. We're going to have the Bragg family, and uh, they like to brag on themselves. Amen. Uh, no, this is a friend of mine. I've known uh, Marcus Bragg for years. And uh, Marcus and his family travel all around the country, and it's a singing family group. Uh, and so we're going to give them the service. They're going to share with us. Uh, we'll, like I said, our, our band will do a couple opening numbers, and then we're just going to give them the service, and you're going to be blessed. You don't want to miss next Sunday. Come and bring somebody with you next Sunday morning, all right, uh, the Bragg family. All right, um, what else am I not doing? Oh, yes, the men's fellowship next Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a men's fellowship, so we're going to have the Bragg family in the morning. Uh, then we're going to uh, go out to Nathan and Diana Choate's house. Raise y'all's hand back there. And it's a men's fellowship. Amen. And there are maps, all right? There are maps on the back uh, table there. We're also going to take a, a van from here. I'm going to drive the church van from here. So if you uh, live on this side of town, uh, Nathan and Diana kind of live out by Hideaway Lake. So if you want to ride the church van, that's on there. Just put yes, and uh, we will leave from here. Uh, we're going to be out there at 3, so we're going to leave here at 2.30 in the van. But if you live on that side of town, closer to him, then you can just meet us there, and the maps are over there, okay? Uh, we're going to watch God's team, all right? Uh, uh, Cowboys are playing next week at 3.20. We'll see if they're God's team after today, amen? In fact, where's Greg? Greg, Greg is representing the enemy over here, amen. Look at, oh, he's even got the jacket. Oh, man. Oh, oh, that's tough. That's tough. All right. This is the, this is the true test of our Christianity right here, amen. We love you, brother. We love you, amen. All right. Um, so, yeah, so uh, next, next uh, week, uh, next Sunday, uh, 3 o'clock out at Nathan's house. Uh, here's a wonderful thing. Nathan loves to cook. And so I said, Nathan, we need to have sign-up. She said, nope. You just tell him to come. I'm going to take care of it. Amen. So bring a few dollars because we want, we want to help defray the cost on, uh, on Nathan for the food. But Nathan's going to do all the cooking. And I've personally eaten his cooking. And I look right here. It's good. It's good. Amen. So, uh, so he's going to take care of us. So men, there is a sign-up sheet uh, back there. Please sign up just so we kind of know how many, uh, Nathan knows how many to fix for food. Uh, so I want all the men to come, please. And this is for teenagers on up, okay? So uh, teenagers, you, you jump in there with us, all right? Um, and then our next movie night will be Sunday, November the 27th, the last Sunday of the month. At 6 p.m., we've been watching The Chosen, different episodes. And I think we're going to uh, do a couple of episodes this next time. Uh, we've done episodes one and two, and we're going to do season one, episodes three and four. 
uh, this month, all right? So come. It's fun time. It's real casual. We have popcorn and candy provided for you, and it's a wonderful night out for you, all right? And life recovery class is meeting today at 1 p.m., Brother Terry, all right? If you have a hurt habit or hang-up, which I can guarantee you everybody in this room does uh, of some degree, uh, come, and, uh, and uh, it's a, just a group together. It's a group session to just uh, uh, talk about those things and uh, learn about how to overcome those things in your life. All right, well, let's stand back up, and let's uh, continue to worship, all right, if we could this morning. And we're going to sing, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less Than Jesus' Blood and Righteousness. Amen.
that you are our solid rock. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And everybody said, amen. Can you be seated for just a moment? I wanted to do something before we do this last song and the kids leave us. Because I want the kids to see this. I wanted... Uh, to recognize, as you know, Friday was Veterans Day, and we do not want to let this weekend get by without uh, expressing our gratitude for our veterans, and I wanted the kids to see this because you kids need to understand that uh, freedom is not free, amen, and uh, it had to be paid for with uh, some giving their all, giving their lives, uh, spilling their blood for us, and so I think it's important that all ages see this in the kids. So I'm going to ask uh, everyone, if you would, uh, who is a veteran, either present or past, uh, would you come and stand up here, if you would, because we want to pray over you, and we want to bless you today. Amen. Anyone who's a veteran, anyone who served. The shoeless drummer is a veteran. <laughs> All right. So here comes Brother Ken. And uh, we wanted to recognize Brother Ken as the oldest veteran in our, in our congregation. Amen. <laughs> Brother Ken, how old are you? 92. 92. Amen. That deserves a round of applause just that right there, amen. But Brother Ken served our country, and uh, we wanted to honor you as our oldest veteran today. There's a gift card in there for some food, amen. The rest of you, I'm sorry, you're on your own as far as eating goes. But, <laughs> but we do have a card for everybody else, and so we wanted to thank you guys. So I want to give you all a card. And, uh, man, we cannot say thank you enough to all of you for your service and what you've done in our lives. So what I would like to do now is if everybody would just uh, extend a hand towards these, if you would. We're going to pray a prayer blessing over them, if you would, all right? Father, we love you today. I thank you, Lord, for all of these men and women who served our country and who served us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for their service and what they did. Uh, God selflessly giving of themselves, God. And, Lord, I just pray that you bless them beyond measure. May we as a church body and a church family uh, just always want to be a blessing to them, God. I pray your richest blessings on their lives, on their homes, and on their families, God. I pray that, uh, God, we would just always remember uh, the great sacrifice that they made to serve our country and keep us safe, Lord. And we pray for your blessing upon them. Thank you for them that they're a part of our church family. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said. Give them a hand one more time if you would. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. All right. Everybody stand if you would again. Oh, yes. Oh, Jessica, are you a veteran? No, she was no, just helping, helping Brother Ken. Ken. She just helped Brother Ken. <laughs> Jessica in the military. That would be... Come, that would be something, wouldn't it? Amen. 
All right, let's all stand if you would. We're going to sing this last song. I'm sorry. Well, we're going to sing a new song today. A new song, yes. And it's called Gratitude. And I've been listening to this song. It's a great song to just play when you're getting ready in the morning. The chorus basically is, So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again. Because all that I have is a hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes we don't think about what do we offer God back he's given to us and we're thankful for what he's done for us but what do you do for him and one of the things that he loves the most is for you to love him back by your actions and and that is to sing to him and praise him and worship him so we're going to introduce this song to you Get up and 
praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a we love you we thank you lord lord with a heart of gratitude we come before you lord may we always understand you are on our side god greater is he that is in the world greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world god we thank you that we are more than conquerors we are overcomers in you so god speak to our hearts now lord give us a heart of gratitude a heart of thankfulness Help us to be encouragers. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If you've got kids that would like to go to Children's Church, they can meet Miss Cindy over here at the door and our Children's Church workers. Give our children and our Children's Church workers a big hand, if you would. They are always so good to bless us. Amen. Now, we learned that new song just now, and it's an appropriate song for Thanksgiving, isn't it? Because what we want to learn to do is we want to learn to be, have a heart of gratitude. How do we get out of the negative and into the positive? Many times it's our attitude. It's our heart attitude. Do we have a heart of gratitude? You notice that gratitude and attitude are real close to each other, aren't they? So you want to have an attitude of gratitude. We want to develop an attitude of gratitude. And so I'm going to talk today about encouraged to be an encourager. Are you an encourager? Anybody here ever been around an encourager? Yeah. It's it blesses you, doesn't it? It encourages you. Now I'm going to tell you you're going to hear some noise back here because uh these boys decided on God's day to show up and uh, work on our building. Amen. That's okay. I'm just going to tell you, there's going to be a little bit of noise behind me. But as you've discovered, I can just preach as loud as I need to. Amen. So I'll just preach right over the top of it. All right. I want you to get this today because I think this is so important in our lives. You and I need to be encouragers. Uh, you know what a blessing it is when somebody encourages you. So what does that teach you? That teaches you that I need to be an encourager. But here's the key to being an encourager. And this is easier said than done. The hard part of being an encourager is I've got to get my eyes off of myself, and I've got to get my eyes on other people. And that's difficult to do. It's easier said than done, isn't it? I need to learn to put my other stuff aside. If I'm going to treat others as more important than myself like the Bible tells me to do, then I've got to get my eyes off of me and on other people. And it's we've got to do what I call putting on that spiritual radar. We've got to get those spiritual antenna up and see what God is doing in other people's lives, all right? Um, so here's a basic, basic truth today. Everyone you see is facing battles that you don't know anything about. You find that to be true? Everyone that you see is facing a battle that you do not know 
what they're going through. Can I tell you this? Because we can get real picky sometimes, can't we? You ever go to a restaurant and the service is just not great and the waiter or waitress just kind of seems to be disengaged and you get really ticked off? Anybody here been there, done that? Yeah. You ever stop to think that maybe they're distracted, maybe they're just having a bad day because they're fighting a battle that nobody knows anything about? I've told you all that story before. The preacher went in one time to the little restaurant and the gal was just not giving him good service. She was distracted. She was not coming back to the table, wasn't filling their tea glass. And he told his friend, he said, you know what, I don't normally do this. I'm a preacher and I don't normally, I, I just feel like I've got to complain today. And so the little gal comes over and said, ma'am, can I speak to your manager? Because uh, I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm just not happy with the service. You don't seem to really be enjoying what you're doing today. And you really don't seem to be engaged with us. And so I would really like to complain to your manager. And the little gal began to weep. She immediately just tears fell out of her eyes. And she begins to weep. And she says, I'm so sorry. But you see, I lost my father yesterday. And we're going to have to bury him tomorrow. But I needed to work today because I had to make some money for my kids. And I'm sorry the service is not up to what you want it to be. But I'm really struggling today. Guess what that made the preacher feel like? About that tall. Amen. Even happens to preachers. So we've got to understand, many times when you want to get angry or you want to say, why, does this, why is this person even working here when they look so angry? If you don't enjoy your job, go home. I've done that. I've said that. But I've got to understand, I don't know what that person is going through. I don't know the battle that they're going through. Even at work sometimes, uh, at your job, you may have a team member that you're working with, and you say, they are just not with it today. They are not engaged today. And what in the world is going on with them? Why can't they focus? And then, But, but you've got to understand, because one day you go to work, and you're struggling with something, and you're not focused, and somebody may be saying the same thing about you that day. So we must understand it is not the, I know this verse, everybody's bubble, but the universe does not revolve around you. I know we all live like it does. I tell y'all all the time, we're all living our own movies, aren't we? And guess what? In my movie, I'm the star. I'm the star of the movie, amen? But... I'm, a, I'm like a bit player in your movie because you're the star of your movie. And it's real easy for us to lose sight and lose focus and just get caught up in that, isn't it? That it's all about me, uh, even what God is doing. Can I tell you that God is doing things in your life and doing them in a timing and such a way because it has nothing to do with you? It's because somebody else connected to you needs to see it at this moment and this time. So that even the things he's doing in your life don't necessarily always have to do with just you. It has to do because somebody else needs to see that or be involved in that. So it does not all revolve around us. I love that saying. Everyone you see is facing battles that you don't know anything about. Here's another basic truth. You have no idea what God might do through one single word of encouragement. Now, I can tell you this. I think everybody here can probably think of at least one person. Maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a, an uncle or an aunt. But somebody spoke life into you and spoke encouragement to you 
and it made a difference in your life, right? Maybe it was several people, but I hope everybody's had at least one person. Because I'm here to tell you, a word of encouragement can change somebody's life. When somebody says, you know what, like that teacher. For me, it was a teacher. There was a choir teacher. And you got to understand, I was a very shy kid. I know that's hard to believe now, but I was a very shy kid. But I loved to sing. I, I, I understood I could sing on pitch, and I, I could, you know, I, I just kind of had a gift for that. And so, but I, I had deathly stage fright. And I, I passed that on to my kid. My oldest son can outsing any of us and the rest of the family, but he has, has death, deathly stage fright until the very point where the last time he got up, uh, we were, he was going to sing at our church in Longview. It was a big church, and he's in the back just throwing his guts up. And I'm just like, Matthew, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. If, if, you know, if you're struggling that much, don't even worry about it, son. Uh, but I was kind of that way. Now, I obviously got over it because uh, I'm standing up here talking to you. Uh, but here's the thing that that choir teacher did me. One day, this choir teacher said, I want you to come try out for choir. I was in the band, and I was very musical, and that kind of gave me a, a, a leg up on some because I could read music. A lot of people in the choir couldn't read music. And so uh, this choir teacher recognized that and said, uh, you know, why don't you come try out for the choir? And I tried out for the choir, and she said, you know, you have a really good voice. She said, we're, we're starting a, a pop group. Uh, I want you to try out for that. So I tried out for the pop group. And then I get in the pop group, she says, I want you to try out for this solo. And what she doesn't tell me at the time is, uh, we're going to go sing this at the pepper alley in front of the entire school. Uh, so I end up getting the solo, and now literally somebody's having to shove me out. We're in the gym. The entire school's in the gym, and they're literally having to shove me out there, and it's a really high song. Uh, I had a really high voice. As younger, it's, it's kind of dropped, but, and it was this uh, Bee Gees song. You know how the Bee Gees sing? And the very last note was, ah! and I had to do that in front of the entire school, and I was scared to death. But I'm here to tell you, that, that little choir teacher, she's still, she's still in uh, Frankston, Texas. She's retired now. But Ann Maxwell was her name. And Ann Maxwell just encouraged me. She said, Mark, I think that uh, you've got a gift. I think God could use that. She said, I know you, I know you go to church. I know you're saved, and I know... That you're thinking about ministry, and I, I really think that God, one word of encouragement from just the right person at just the right time, and I can say literally changed the course of my life, because I don't know that I would have ever that thought would have even entered my head if Ann Maxwell hadn't have voiced that opinion. Amen. So one word of encouragement, you never know, it can change somebody's life. All right. Um, so we're going to look at a story. How many of y'all remember the story of Job? Job. Remember Job? It was a test, wasn't it? The devil, God and the devil are having a conversation, and the devil says, you know your man Job there? And God says, oh yeah, that's my man Job. He is faithful to me. He serves me. And the devil challenges God and says, well, your man Job wouldn't serve you so much if everything, it's because you blessed him, and if you took all those blessings off of him, God, uh, Job would curse you. And God says, I don't believe it. And so he says, I'm going to allow you to work in his life. And so uh, God takes his hand off of Job and allows Satan 
to bring boils and his entire family dies. He loses everything. He loses all of his family. His kids die. They're killed in a terrible accident. Uh, he loses his farm. He loses all everything. And uh, in the midst of this, Job is wondering, God, what have I done to you? You ever been there? God, what have I done to you to make all this happen? And I got to tell you, sometimes you may not understand it this side of heaven, but for Job, it was a test. It was a test to see if, if he would remain faithful to God, even when things didn't go. It's easy to serve God when everything's going your way. It's easy to serve God when everything you touch is blessed. But God wanted to prove to say, and he pulled his, his protective hand and his blessing off of Job, and he let Satan have at him. And Satan went all out. All right, So he got physically sick. He lost everything. And you would think, okay, well, at least Job's family was supporting him and his friends were supporting him. No, he lost even that. They turned on him. Look at, uh, it's in Job chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. It says, um, then Job answered and said, I have heard many such things. Miserable comforters are you all. <laughs> he said, y'all ain't helping me at all. Shall words of wind have an end? Or what provokes you that you answer? I also could speak as you do. If your soul were in my soul's place, I could heap up words against you and shake my head at you. But I would strengthen you with my mouth, and the comfort of my lips would relieve your grief. You know what they were doing? Also, look at Proverbs 18, 21. It says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can literally bring life to somebody or you can kill somebody. And that may not be physically killing it, but you can kill somebody's spirit. You talk down to somebody or you criticize somebody or you tell somebody you're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. You're killing their spirit. And what does that say? That's of the devil. Satan wants to come to steal, kill, and destroy. All right, so Job's friends, you know what they were saying? Job's friends were saying, you ought to, you ought to curse God, God and die. Obviously, Job, it's your fault. Obviously, Job, you've got some terrible sin in your life, and you just need to repent of it. Ever been there? Ever had your friends show up and say, you know, I, I want to encourage you, but my gosh, you must be doing something terrible. You must have great sin in your life. They told him, it's your fault. You deserve this, Job. You shouldn't have sinned. You shouldn't have done the wrong thing. You've obviously done something to tick God off. And so this is all going on. So, Job, you need, to, you need to straighten up. Nobody was encouraging him. Nobody believed him. Ever been there? Nobody believed him. Nobody put their, uh, their trust in him that he was a good man. They just assumed, oh, you're terrible. You know what happens? You let something happen where you make a dumb decision and you mess up. Are people going to jump on with you, jump for you, or jump against you? Most of the time, they're unfortunately going to jump against you. I knew it. I knew it. And the further, further up the chain you are, you let a preacher fall, what happens? Everybody get on. We're going to stomp on him. Let's go. Everybody get in line. We're going to stomp on him. Amen? Uh, you let, and and they, they go down the line. But if you fall, now what does the Lord say? I will restore you. I will pick you up out of the miry clay, and I will restore you back to me. Remember King David? Committed murder, adultery, covered it up, 
And God said, I'm going to restore you because uh, you're a man after God's own heart. That's how God operates. Do people operate like that? No. If you go down, bless God, I ain't going down with you. I'm going to stomp on you because I don't want to get caught up in it. You mess up, and you'll see who your true friends are. Can I tell you that? You mess up, you make a dumb decision, you do something that uh, puts people in a position where they've got to choose, and many times they will choose against you, and you will find out who your true friends are. I've been there. I've been there. I've messed up, and I'm here to tell you, you find out who really is for you and who's against you. And it's a sad thing to realize sometimes you got far fewer friends than you thought you did. Amen? My words can build you up. They can build your faith. They can strengthen your confidence. They can make you believe that God is for you, that he, can, he will never leave you, that you are chosen and that he has called you. Just my words. One little word of encouragement. Uh, part of our job as ministers many times is to bring people up and mentor them and encourage the next generation of preachers. And so to give somebody the encouragement, hey, I think you may have a gift of it, just like Ann Maxwell did for me. And then once I surrendered to the ministry, I surrendered to the ministry, I got saved and I surrendered to the ministry at Friendly Baptist Church over here on Front Street. Uh, the preacher at the time, he's gone on to glory now, was Brother Milton Gardner. And Brother Milton Gardner kind of became my spiritual father and my mentor. And, uh, man, all it took was one positive word from Milton Gardner. And my day was made. I could go for weeks, and it just that would encourage me and spur me on. Don't give up, Mark. Keep going. Don't give up. God's got his hand on you. God has called you. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Just that encouragement was all I needed. Amen? Um, because I need encouragement, I will generously give it. Do you need encouragement? We need to remember that when it's time to give it out. Uh, so how do I start with that? This is going to seem real simple, but I'm going to say this is how you start. If you think of something good, say it. Now, that ain't rocket science. But I'm here to tell you, that's a pretty simple principle that all of us need to do. Um, I'm going to talk here in just a minute about husbands, wives, and parents. You know where most of this needs to start? In the home, right at home right in your own marriage. Men, start with you. If you think of something good that your wife has done, that your wife has blessed you, that God has used her, say it. Sometimes men, we're the hardest because we're not as good with words and we're not as good at communicators. So when it comes to your mind, say it. Do you know how big a blessing it is for your spouse to encourage you? Listen, when my wife brags on me, whoo, right, right, when my wife to somebody else says, you know, Mark is really good at this, or Mark does a really good job at this, or Mark is really good at this, and, uh, and when she, you can tell me whatever you want about the preaching, but when my wife says, honey, that was good today, whoo, come on, that's all I need, don't even care what the rest of you think, Amen. I need her to be my biggest cheerleader. Women, I talked about this in Sunday school. There's a book on marriage called His Needs, Her Needs. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but they're different. 
You're wired differently. A woman's greatest need is to be told, I love you. Security. You know what a man's biggest need is? Respect. God uses your respect for your husband. Your husband needs you to be proud of him. Now, I know it's a lot more fun to be a critic. Right? Can I tell you this, though? We don't need any more critics. We got plenty of critics. You know what a critic is? You ever read a critic in the newspaper? A critic, what's a food critic? A food critic is the one who will show up at your restaurant and criticize how you cook the food, and they didn't cook the food, and they can't even cook. So a critic's pretty useless, right? They will eat it and say, oh, that tastes good or that don't taste good, and they will criticize you in the paper, and they can make or break and shut your restaurant down by their criticism. They don't care. Did they cook a meal? Can they even cook? I don't know. Probably not. That's what a critic does. Critics sometimes can be totally useless. You, somebody puts a movie out. They poured their blood, their sweat, their tears. They spent millions of dollars to make this movie. And the movie critic comes in one day and says, that is a piece of junk. Nobody should go see that movie. He just condemned your movie and will, can shut your movie down and totally shut it down from making any money. You may not ever recover those millions of dollars. Did that movie critic make a movie? Did he spend any money? Did he put any blood, sweat, and tears into making a movie? No. It's easy to be the critic. We got plenty of critics. Husbands, wives, stop being a critic. Everybody look at me. I know this is painful. And it's a lot more fun to be the critic. But you need to be the cheerleader. You need to be your, your husband or wife's biggest fan. And you need to tell them that. Because... Now, I know some of you are looking at me, especially the women, saying, but Mark, you don't know some of the things he does wrong. And how's he going to learn how's, if I don't teach him? I need to teach him. So I got to criticize a little bit so I can teach him how to be better. Listen, no, you encourage your man. I said in, in Sunday school, I said, read the letters that Paul wrote to all the churches and learn from the Apostle Paul. He learned he was a master psychologist because he spends the first three chapters just pouring love on them, telling them everything they're doing great, tell them everything, how much he loves them, how good they're doing, all the good things they're doing. And it takes him to about chapter three or four before he finally gets to, okay, now there's a few things you need to work on. But he spent all of the first three chapters just pouring out love, telling them how good they were doing. You, we need to learn from Paul, all right? Here's a, a fact you may not know. It takes 100 words of encouragement for every one word of correction. Do you realize that? So for every one criticism, it's going to take 100 words of encouragement to overcome that one word of criticism. You say, now, Brother Mark, that seems a little crazy. Let me prove it to you. If I go home today and JT posts this sermon online, and you can do comments down there. This is exactly why some preachers have gotten off social media. Because I can go home and tomorrow morning I'll get up and I'll start reading those comments. And if I got a hundred positive, ooh, Brother Mark, that was, man, some great preaching. That was, I don't think I've ever heard you preach, brother. Brother Mark, that was wonderful. I can get a hundred of those. And then down at the end I'll get one. Brother Mark, that, that wasn't your best. 
you know, I, I really don't know that that was true, and I, I'm, I'm having a little bit of problem with what you're preaching. Which one do you think I'm going to think about? You think I'm going to think about those hundred good ones? Mm-mm. I'm going to beat myself to death over that one negative comment. That's the proof. It happens in your life, doesn't it? People, you get on there and you post that selfie. Hey. <laughs> you get a hundred likes. And thank God they don't have a dislike button. Amen. <laughs> because if it had a dislike button, we'd all be messed up. Amen. But you base your self-worth and you base your week and your attitude and your positivity on how many likes you got. And if your friend did another one over here and said, hey, and she got twice as many likes as I got, I'm depressed all week. Why didn't my friends like mine as much as hers? This is the danger of social media, right? And we're all susceptible to it. And it doesn't matter if you get 100 likes, that one negative comment you get, that's the one you're going to remember. All right? So what does that tell you when it's coming out of your mouth? I need to be very, very careful with my criticism. I need to encourage a hundred times more than I criticize. Okay? All right. Um, A husband. uh, Ladies, let me give you this advice. If your husband or your future husband is not a good spiritual leader, don't tell him. You know, do you think you're going to make your husband or your future husband a better spiritual leader by saying, you know, you really stink at leading this family? You think that's going to make him a better spiritual leader? No. But you know what will make him a better spiritual leader? If every time he does anything even remotely spiritual, you go, ooh, honey, I love it when you lead this family that way. (sighs) Oh, honey, makes me so in love with you. Amen. I mean, if you can get him to pray over, if you can get him to pray over the meal, and he goes, "Well, I really don't know how to pray, but I'll." Well, Jesus bless the food, Amen. You go, oh, honey, whoo, oh Lord, that just that just blesses me so much. You are the man, Amen. What's going to happen next time? He's going, well, I'm going to just do a little better sort of prayer next time, Amen. You get a whole, and this goes back to something we've heard all of our lives. You catch more flies with honey, don't you? It's people respond. Do you remember that coach? We always had the two two coaches. And a lot of coaches were just like, you bunch of sorry dogs, get over here. You don't do nothing right. And uh, we're just, we're looking bad. We're stinking. And everything was criticism, criticism, criticism. I don't know about you. I did not respond. When the coaches was on me and on top of me, and just criticizing me about everything I was not doing right, I didn't respond well to that. But when I got the coach who was the encourager and said, come on, boys, I, man, you, you're doing that good. That's good. That's good. Uh, we'll work on that, but that's good. That's good. That's good. Look at that effort. Look at that effort. You may not be the most talented, but look at that effort that you're giving. That was the coach I would respond to. What does that tell you? Again, positive, positive, positive. Encourage, encourage, encourage. People, I don't need, I'm going to give y'all the glimpse into my life. I don't need any more criticism. I get plenty, and guess what? I give myself plenty. I would venture to say it's probably the same in your life. Uh, I need more encouragement. 
And I need the encouragement of other people. And it, what does it do? It spurs me on to be better. Wives, tell your husband how good he did. Tell your husband anytime he does something and tell him how proud you are of him. Women, that's what a man needs to hear. That's what his needs are. I am so proud of you. You are such a hard worker. You provide for this family. You go out and you work every single day. And I want to tell you, I, I appreciate it. I thank you so much. It blesses me. Give them some encouragement. That's what you need. You're going to catch a whole lot more. And that's going to spur him on to be better. All right, husbands, your turn. When your wife, you know, and it changes, doesn't it? You ever notice how the first year after you got married, your wife would come to bed uh, totally makeup still on and everything still, and, uh, and, and you know, just uh, just looking lovely, amen? Then after about a year, it turned into no makeup, mud fast, uh, face mask, gray flannels, uh, you know, and it looked like an Eskimo going to bed, amen? So, again, what are you going to do? Do you criticize or do you just say, you know, honey, it blesses me. You know, I got one of the best-looking wives in the world. And uh, you bless me when you come to bed and you look wonderful. Amen? Amen? Now, I ain't trying to get racy here. I'm just saying. Amen? don't want you all to misinterpret me. But I want you to understand uh, we, we all just need to encourage one another. And all that does is what that does is that spurs that person on to be better, to do better. Amen? And it will go a lot farther than criticism. Now, Mark, why are you talking about this? Because you know where we're all going in a couple of weeks? We're all going to see family. And we're all going to see people that maybe get on our nerves a little bit. Or people that we really struggle with. Some, some family members that we're family with them, but we really struggle with them. And you're going to have a choice. You can either speak words of life or you can speak words of death. You can either tell them, man, I, I appreciate this about you. You are a blessing to me in this area. Or you can criticize, criticize, criticize. Now, that's a lot more fun. But I'm here to tell you, that ain't going to improve that relationship any. But when you say, when you humble yourself and you say, you know, I know we haven't always got along. But I sure would like for us to get along better than what we've been getting along. I sure would like for us to restore our relationship. When you just have a little bit of humility. Now, most of us don't like the taste of humble pie, do we? But I'm here to tell you, every one of us needs to develop a taste for humble pie. Because humility will take it a long, long way. When somebody comes to me arrogant and proud, uh, I have a hard time responding to them. When somebody comes to me humble, says, Brother Mark, my heart is broken. I know I messed up. Would you help me? Man, my heart pours out. My heart pours because I see the humility. All right? So we need to understand that. Um, so I'm going to go real quickly because I'm out of time here. Through a single word, God can do these things. He can heal a marriage. Through a single word, God can give hope to a child. Let me stop here just for a second. As a parent, if you tell a child they're ugly all their life, what are they going to grow up thinking? They're ugly. You tell a child they're stupid all their life, they're going to grow up thinking they're stupid. When you tell a child you'll never amount to anything, what do you think that child's going to have? So, parenting. This applies more to parenting than anything else. Build up your children. Encourage your children. 
they are not living your life. I need to remind you, parents. So don't push them in the areas that you think that because that's what you did. They're living their life. And so their talents may be totally, and their gifts may be totally different than what your talents and your gifts were. But you need to encourage them. Anything you see them have a gift for, anything, encourage them. Amen? I, 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 see, you, I see you doing that. You're, you're doing so great at that. Let's, let's work on that. Let's get, let's, I, I think you've got a real gift for that. Let's do it better. And you'd be amazed at how you can change your kid's life by just being their cheerleader and their encourager rather than their critic. Because I see a lot of kids, they're beat down because they're just always, it's always the critic. Always the critic. Listen, my dad was a good dad, but he wasn't a perfect dad. I'm going to give you a little insight into my life. And my dad was not perfect. And sometimes he was a workaholic. And sometimes he would get me out there to help on the job. And I wasn't fast enough or I wasn't doing it up to his standard. And so it would get, I would get criticized. And uh, sometimes it'd be the same that would carry over into baseball. Well, son, you're not hitting the ball right, or you're not, you're not fielding the ball right. And sometimes it was hard for me because I would just get the attitude, I can't live up to his standard. I, I can't do it good enough for dad. And listen, that's, that's bad. That's bad. I've tried to be my kid's biggest cheerleader. I'm not telling you I always did it right. I'm not telling you I was perfect. But I always tried to be my kids biggest cheerleader and they developed gifts and it was their life and they they developed different gifts from mine I didn't need to try to get them to live my life I've already lived my life I need to get them to do what God has designed them for and that may be totally different and I got to understand that okay uh, next one uh, a single word can change someone's destiny just like that choir teacher with me uh, but now let me get, hit this on the very end. Sometimes the person who needs the most encouragement is you. Sometimes it's the person looking in the mirror. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you need to learn to encourage yourself. Because guess who's going to talk to you the most? You're going to talk to yourself. Anybody in here talk to yourself? It doesn't mean you're crazy. You should talk to yourself. In fact, I'm going to show you a story. And it is in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And this is David, uh, King David. You remember him? David and his army arrived home from Ziklag. That's where they lived. Don't, I don't know about that name. Uh, the enemies, uh, the Amalekites, had burned their city to the ground. They took their wives and their children captive. And David and his men come back home, and they discover all their women and children are gone, and the entire city is burned to the ground. And David and his men get in the middle of the town, and they just break down, get on their knees, and they weep. Now, after they weep for a while, and they grieved a little while, if you know the stages of grief, one of the next stages is anger. So all these others get angry, and they start to blame David. And they say, David, if you had not made us go off to war, this would not have happened. And so some of them start to plan to stone King David. I mean, it's, it's bad, because they're, they're distraught, okay? And so let's read 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those that were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away, and they went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. 
then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, Anoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive also. So David's grieving with them too. His own family's gone. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. And then read the last verse. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Now, if you take that strengthened himself and you go to the Hebrew word, the Hebrew word is chizak. Say it with me, chizak. Some of us, and I know this is going to sound funny just because it rhymes. Some of us need to get our chizak back. Amen. You know what chizak means? Chizak means this. Um... To tell yourself to be strong. In other words, it's a pep talk to yourself. To tell yourself, I need to be strong. I need to strengthen up. I need to man up. And I need to do what God's calling me to do. And so David gives himself a pep talk. All right, Chizak. Um, look at this. Oh, 1 Samuel. Then, then look at what happened in uh, chapter 8, 1 Samuel 38. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, capital H, God said, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. And guess what ended up happening? He did exactly like God told him to do, and he recovered it all. Okay? So, understand this. Positive words are difficult to remember. Negative words are difficult to forget. Now, We've all been on both sides of this. Sometimes you're the one saying the words that should not be said. Sometimes you're the one on the receiving end. Do you remember how bad it feels to be on the receiving end? That's what we need to remember when we're on the other end, giving words. And every time you have a choice, I have a choice. Am I going to give words of life or am I going to give words of death? Do I just have to criticize because it wasn't done just like I, I would have done it? Can I tell you this? When you get somebody to do something or you teach somebody, uh, and this was a perfect example. My dad taught me to mow the lawn. Uh, we had a riding lawnmower at the time. See, I, I tell you all, all my embarrassing stories. Y'all can tell me some of your embarrassing stories one time. My dad, though I was about 11 or 12, my dad said, all right, it's time you can start mowing the yard. Uh, uh, we had a pretty big yard, so we had a riding lawnmower. He said, I want to teach you ride lawn, ride the, uh, how to drive the riding lawnmower. And uh, we get out there, and he puts me in. And, of course, you know, on the riding lawnmower, it's got, a, it's got a turtle. It's got a rabbit. You remember that, those kind? And the turtle and rabbit. Well, I couldn't just do the turtle. I wanted to do the rabbit because I'm 12 years old. I just want to I'm like Ricky Bobby. I just want to go fast. Amen? And so I put that thing in the rabbit mode, and uh, I am cutting that grass like nobody's business. And I am moving it, man. I am moving it. Now I'm getting it done. Well, in the middle of our backyard sat a, uh, some patio furniture. And you see where this is going, don't you? Amen. And uh, I got to go a little too fast and thought I was in control, but I was not in control. And I run over and I mangle that patio furniture. Amen. And so to my dad's credit, again, I said he was a good dad. It wasn't always perfect. But in this instance, he did the right thing. He said, son, it's okay. He said, I've, I've had my share of things on the riding lawnmower. And he said, let's get this cleaned up, and uh, we're going to stay in the turtle mode. Amen. 
And uh, so he, he had mercy on me and just uh, said, let's not go so fast. And he was patient with me. And so I'm telling you this, we need to be patient with each other. Positive words are difficult to remember. Again, a hundred positive words, but you get the one negative word, that's what you're going to remember because negative words are difficult to forget, okay? Um, I'm going to end it with this. I don't know if Julie's going to come or not. Uh, the uh, Julie, right back there. <laughs> you, can go, you can go ahead and tell her to come. Neurologists have found the brain believes the negative immediately. Neurologists have done a study, and they say when you hear something negative about yourself, your brain buys into it immediately. It believes it immediately. Now, guess what the brain does when something positive is said about you? It takes at least 15 times longer before your brain will even start to possibly believe the positive about yourself. Why is that? Why are we prone to the negative? We just are. We're wired that way. I think that has to do with our sinful nature. I'm going to ask the band to come at this point. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And maybe you're struggling today. Maybe you're struggling in your, your heart, your mind, and your spirit. Maybe you're a negative person. Or maybe you've been around a lot of negativity. Maybe uh, somebody has told you all your life that you're not smart enough, that you're not pretty enough, that you're not uh, good enough, that you'll never amount to anything. And I'm here to tell you today, the Lord wants to tell you, uh, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want to share some things with you. Here's what God says you are. Are you listening to me? Here's what God says you are. God says you are the righteousness of God. God says you're an overcomer. God says you're a child of God. God says you're a joint heir in Jesus Christ. God says that you are his ambassador. God says that you are God's workmanship. God says that you are the light of the world, that you're the salt of the earth. And God says that you are more than a conqueror. Amen. That's what God says you are. You think God is an encourager or a discourager? My God is an encourager. And you can either believe what God says about you or you can believe what the world says about you. But you don't need to do that. You're here today and you need to come and have uh, somebody pray over you. We're going to sing one more song. And then you can come. And if you want to come anytime during this song, this altar is open to pray. You need to come and join the church. If you need somebody just to pray over you, I would be honored to pray over you. So if you would, uh, during this song, if you want to come, uh, Father, have your will in your way in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and we're going to sing this, uh, this last song, Jireh. Never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved right now. Tracy.
want you to know God is good. Amen. And he's more than enough. You know what Jehovah Jireh means? Jehovah Jireh means God is my provider. He's more than enough. He's all that I need. He's more than I could ask or imagine. I want you to leave here with that truth this morning. Amen. Don't forget, Wednesday night, Thanksgiving dinner. You're my family. Y'all are closer to me sometimes than my own blood family. And so I want to be thankful, grateful, and we're going to celebrate with a big Thanksgiving dinner Wednesday night. So you come 6 o'clock, all right? Don't forget, men, we have the uh, men's fellowship to watch the Cowboys next uh, Sunday. Put your name on the sign-up sheet so we know to prepare some food for you, all right? Let's give God thanks for a great day. I want to, yeah, give him, give him a praise. I want to ask you to pray for Brother Jack and Vicki Allison tomorrow. They're going tomorrow and having their, their scan uh, that they've been waiting for to hopefully be able to get uh, Jack an answer to be able to swallow again and, uh, and make some repairs on his throat from all the radiation. And we're just praying. We're praying for God to give answers tomorrow. You have not because you ask not. And I believe in praying specifically. So we're asking for God to give them some answers and to bring healing in that situation. Father, we love you today. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. You're our provider. And you're more than enough. Meet our needs. Help us to go from this place and be encouragers in the name of Jesus today. I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, don't forget, every Sunday, I'm going to be down at the Whataburger in Chapel Hill. You want to come down there and eat with me? Come on.